I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got AJ Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double teamed. Who going to get double teamed? And whoever gets double teamed, the other one gets the ball. I'm saying this with no pun intended, but full of pride. Your what is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is your boy Pride. I really gotta change that intro. I really do because every single time I just look at that intro, I just think, God damn, Pride, I don't know what the hell I was on. I really don't. To this day, still don't know what I was on to say that. We got a I got a great show for you guys today. Just gonna be me. So it might be long, might not, who knows? We got a lot of action in terms of the MMA community going on uh, tonight. It's going to be Bellator 277. There's going to be a lot of bangers, and it's going to be headlined by Sergio Pettis defending his title against the rising bantamweight champion, Kyoji Horiguchi. Horiguchi is known, is looked at as one of the best pound for pound fighters outside. Of the UFC. Sergio Pettis is trying to prove that he belongs in that upper echelon when it comes to UFC fighters, regardless of promotion, regardless of whether or not he's in or out of the USC of the UFC. He wants to prove I am an elite fighter. Obviously, we have Josh Hill versus Jared Scogans, which is going to be can Josh Hill defend his number nine rank. Manuel Sanchez and Jeremy Kennedy both coming off of losses. However, they're still in the they're still in the hunt. Uh, Sanchez is twenty and six. Jeremy Kennedy Jeremy Kennedy sixteen and three. So, look, we got a four card main event. But before we talk about that, before we get there, UFC Fight Night is tonight, and there's two fights in specific I want to talk about. Now, obviously, one I want to talk about is the main event. Um, I, I Obviously, I want to talk about um, Aldo versus Rob Font. I believe this is a very pivotal, yeah, very pivotal fight for both guys. For both. Um, Rob Font could have had an interim title, uh, title shot. He pulled out. He chose not, well, not really pulled out, but he chose not to accept it. But before we get to all that, the one I really want to break down for you guys, the light heavyweight matchup, uh, Jimmy Crute versus Jamal, uh, Jamal Hill. Look, I've said this before. Um, I am a fan of Jimmy Crute. I like Jimmy Crute a lot. Um, this matchup is going to be between the, the number 13, which is Jimmy Crute, and 14th ranked light uh, light heavyweights. I like Jimmy Crute. Um, I picked him back his last fight when he fought uh, Alex Smith, um, or and I'm sorry, Anthony Smith. When he fought him, I I was confident that Jimmy Crute could get the win. Um, now obviously, uh, Smith was working that leg kick. His uh, Jimmy Crute's leg went dead. Um, but I give the kick. I give. I give. Listen, at the end of the day, yes, Crute took an L, but I give the kick kudos 
because a lot of other guys would have just given up off the bench. We live in a world where guys, you know, want to pretend, oh, yeah, I'll fight no matter what. Um, but then go to their corner and start saying, oh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Stop the fight for me. You know, um, Krupp was in a situation where his leg was not responding. You know, his ankle kind of, it looked like his ankle was kind of giving in on him, but it was just a nerve in the back of his knee and uh, in in his leg. It was a nerve that was just messing up and messing up bad. It really was. Um, it, it was, it was, it was, it was brutal. It was tough. Really was tough to watch. Um, it was a good stoppage. Uh, Krupp was upset with it, but at the end of the day, it is a good stoppage. And there's just no other way to look at it. Look, when you're not able, when your leg is not responding and it looks like your ankle broke, cause that's what it looked like. It looked like his ankle broke. Um, when you start when you start looking like that, that's a problem. It really is a problem. They have to. They have to step in. You have. They. You virtually. You almost have no no choice but to really go in and say, "All right, this is, we, we we need to relax." However, when it comes to this fight, like I said, um, I genuinely wholeheartedly believe that Jimmy Crew is going to be a problem in the light heavyweight division. Um, he has a lot of the intangibles, um, you know, in terms of, you know, he's got, he's got great, um, some of the stats, uh, he's got the highest control time percentage at 43.3%, top position percentage, 37.3%, and submission attempts averaging uh, per 50 minutes, 2.336, which is, act, which is the most active, like all those stats are the highest for any active UFC fighter. He also has a takedown uh, accuracy of 80%. So when he goes to take you down, it's not just him kind of doing half-hearted attempts. Most of his takedown attempts are to really get you to the ground, not in a situation where he's panicked and doesn't know what to do. So he goes, okay, whatever, I'm going to take it down. No. He understands. He understands at the end of the day, look, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to take you down, whether you, whether you like it or not. Now, if 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 you can stop it, great. But at the same time, if you can't, if you're gonna be in for a long, for a long, long night. And on top of that, on top of that, Jimmy Crute does have hands. Jimmy Crute can throw. People forget about that. They want to pretend like Jimmy Crute all of a sudden is Jimmy Crute can throw. He does have power. Jimmy Crew's 12 and 2. Um, obviously, there's one, you know, the, the one loss he had to uh, Anthony Smith. Technically, it was a TKO via Dr. Stoppage, but I, we all understand. Um, and then a few fights ago um, at UFC Fight Night 156, which was headlined by Cowboy Donald Cerrone versus Justin Gaethje. Um, he lost uh, to Misha Sergeyev. Uh, Outside of that, He's beaten everybody. Um, when it comes to uh, Dana White's the contender series that he was on, he beat Chris Bircher, um, Birchler, um, in one round. First round, knocked him out with punches. Um, Paul Craig, uh, Craig um, on UFC Fight Night, um, Dos Anjos versus uh, Tuavisa, uh, he made Paul Craig tap. Had him in a nasty kimura. Vicious. What's up, Gritty and Yuki? What up, what up, what up? But he had him. 
and it was bad. It was bad. When I look at Jimmy Crute, this kid's going to be a problem. I genuinely believe this kid is going to be a problem. Um, I have I have Jimmy Crute knocking. And again, this is to say that Jamal Hill's a scrub, you know. Uh, Jamal Hill, he, he, he's a nice prospect. He's 8-1. Uh, he's um, just came off a loss against Paul Craig, which the 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 knockout because technically it was a TKO. Man, it was brutal. It those punches and those elbows was brutal. And yes, this game is going to be very interesting. If I, if I if I have a little bit of time, I want to touch up on um on the championship games that are going to happen if we got time. Let's see how uh you know let's see how it goes. Um, but. Jim, Jimmy Crew, I have a lot of expectations. I have a lot of potential for this dude. Um, Jamal Hill, I look, I like Hill and all. I really do. But at the same time, I'm looking at a guy in Jimmy Crew who I personally believe is just better on the feet and on the ground. In transition, um, takedown, defense, and attack. I just look at a guy in Jimmy Crew who I think 110% is just better. That's really how I look at it. Um and if we're going to be honest, when it came to Jimmy Crute versus uh, Anthony Smith, he look, he wasn't getting destroyed, destroyed. He just wasn't really checking the leg kicks. He checks the leg kicks. We might be having a completely different conversation. Might. But we definitely do not know. Um, but I, obviously that is what I wanted to talk about. 110% I have. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking and I'm rolling with uh, – with Jimmy Crute, um, I see something in this kid that's that's just special. This kid is, I'm telling you guys, this kid is fucking special. So, especially in the light heavyweight division, where a lot of the old guys, for instance, look, the champion, Glover Teixeira, it's over 40, right? Uh, Jan Blachowicz, about 40, right? Um, Anthony Smith is getting up there in age. Tiago Santos is getting up there in age. Dominic Reyes, he's he's getting towards the end of his career. There's good. There's a lot of openings. There's a lot of openings. Obviously, Yuri Prohashka is in there, of course. Don't get twisted. But on top of that, you have so many openings. Eventually, I expect Johnny Walker to start climbing up those ranks. You know, and obviously, there's going to be some spots open for you know, Ryan Spann, Paul Craig, and Jimmy Crew. I expect them. I got these high expectations of the guy. I hope he does not let me down because if if, if he lets me down, I'm be, I'm be very, very, very upset. Um, but the second fight I wanted to touch up upon, obviously the main event, Jose Aldo versus Rob Font. This fight for me is very, very, very important. And let me explain why. So Rob Font is number four. Jose Aldo is number five in the bantamweight rankings. This you could consider a glorified number one contenders match, right? Because obviously he's going to be Piotr Jan, right? And TJ Dillashaw is going to, you know, he's going to want to fight someone. Do not be surprised if the winner of this fight gets, um, uh, and yeah, I, I heard about that. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how it's going down because if I'm not mistaken, there's still the the Marlins are still trying to haggle a little extra people. So I'm I'm still waiting to hear all the full details. Um, based on what I'm understanding, 
Um, the Yankees are trying to get some pitchers from the Marlins, and the Marlins want more players from their um, from their pipeline. As long as I'm understanding. Last time I heard that, because they've been talking about this for a while. However, with the lockout, it won't matter. Because they can talk about it. The, the teams can talk about it, but nothing can be official until the, the lockout is resolved. So even if even if they, you know, trade them, they really won't go anywhere until this lockout gets resolved. So, um, so yeah, uh, to my knowledge, you can teams can talk to each other, but nothing official can go th- can go through. But um, Rob Font, Jose Aldo, look, Aldo right now is basically I'm I'm the way I'm looking at Aldo. This is gonna be his final legitimate chance to get a title shot. This is it. Like, if he loses one more fight. Unless everyone else starts losing, he's going to be eliminated from the title picture, and it's going to be over. I like Rob Font. I'm 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 taking Rob Font in uh, in third round, not TKO. Look, it's hard for me personally to to pick against Josie Aldo because I love Aldo, but at the same time, he's fighting a kid in Rob Font who I believe could potentially be a champion in this division. Rob Font is on a th- is on a four-fight win streak. The last time Rob Font lost was in 20 in the 2018 against Rafael Asensa. Since then, since then He's fought Sergio Pettis, the current the, the current Bellator bantamweight champion, beat him, beat Simon. He beat Morales, Morales, I can't even say his name, and most recently, Cody Garbrandt. This is a dude who I genuinely believe is special. I think I, th- I think he's, he's well, not, not going to lie, Um I believe he's one signature win away from being in the title seat. And I believe Aldo could be that for him. Third round TKO. And I hate to say that about Aldo, but I will say this. If Aldo wins, I believe his next fight should be against TJ Dillashaw. And then the winner should be fighting, you know, the bantamweight champion, which should be Piotr Jan because that stupid ass bitch, Aljamain Sterling, is not he don't want no fucking smoke. He don't want no smoke. Let's just call it what the fuck it is. Gritty Yuki says, even though I even I don't watch MMA, I got Font and Hill winning. Look, if you got Hill winning, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I personally I I I'm expecting Jimmy Crew to bounce back from that Smith loss. Um, because again, it just it was just his legs that went out. Um, I feel for him, but I will say this. Jimmy Crew, I'm telling you, Gridium. Watch for him. Watch. I genuinely believe he's going to start taking over the division in kind of a similar way that Cyril Gaon is taking over the heavyweight division, where all of a sudden he just popped up out of nowhere and everyone was just like, holy shit, this guy's fucking legit. Like, that's how it's going to be. That's how I genuinely believe it's going to be for Jimmy Crew. All of a sudden, one day we're going to wake up and the kid's going to fight for a title shot or an interim title shot. And where he's going to win, we're going to go, fuck me. Yo, this fucking kid's phenomenal. Like that's how I, that's how I genuinely believe it's gonna go down for him. Um, again, maybe it's just me. Um, I'm just maybe I'm just you know 
looking too much into it and thinking that, you know, because again, like I said, I love the kid. I really do. Um, but at the same time, I do understand, you know, he does have a little bit of, of flaws here and there. Um, there are time, like for instance, checking the leg kicks. That's something simply could have done against, against um, Anthony Smith. And again, if he does that, we might be having a completely different conversation. Um, there's there's a legitimate chance that instead of us, you know, talking about him like, oh yeah, he could he could be coming. There's a legitimate there's a little bit chance, or uh, there's a little bit of a chance that we look at this dude and go, fuck, bro, like this kid is just one more win away. Um, so um, I watched a little bit of MVP Michael Venom Page. That dude is a problem. I like him a lot. He is, even though he's starting to get a little older, I still like him. But speaking of MVP, he fights in Bellator. And tonight at 10 o'clock, um, uh, the Bellator 272 is going to kick off. Um, I'm doing a watch along with it. Um, we're going to start it at 10. Um, and perhaps maybe we might start a little earlier to chat a little bit of college football. We'll see how that pans out. But um, 10 o'clock, when the cards start, we're going to be doing a watch along. So for those of you watching, if you guys want to partake, please, we'll be live right here. You don't got to go to any other any other page, any other channel. It's the same channel. Um, if you guys are on Facebook, watch us on Facebook. If you guys are on YouTube, watch us on YouTube. Um, we're going to be watching, breaking it down. Unfortunately, since we can't really show you guys um, the actual fight, um, I don't want anyone having any misconceptions because last time people thought that I was actually going to put the fight up there. Um, I'm not allowed to do that. So it'll just be basically me. Um, I'm going to have my boy Jay there, and we might even have a couple extra guests. Um, and we're just going to be breaking down the fights, talking about it, giving our two cents. So basically we're going to try to entertain you on top of the entertainment that the fighters are giving. So uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time, 9 central time. Um, I believe eight o'clock Pacific. So if that's something you guys are interested in, like I said, we will be right here. Um, and I'm telling you guys, it's going to be fun. Cause last time I did a UFC one, we had a ball. Um, Pagoda Yuki says that's pretty cool with me. I'm glad it is. And I hope I see you there at Gridian. Um, but Emmanuel Sanchez, um, versus Jeremy Kennedy. And before I go, um, what's your favorite moment in Gillette or any stadium that you've been to? Um, I'll be honest with you. I have a few, but the one moment I'm actually waiting for is for Gillette. I do want to see Tom Brady's number be retired, and I actually want to be there live and in person. Um, I, I've, always, I've always wanted to do that. Um, I've been to a few Red Sox games. Um, the first one I went to, we beat the bejesus out of the Yankees. And that, you know, in terms of Fenway Park, that's one of my favorites, especially considering, A, we won, B, it was against the Yankees, and and C, it was my first time ever. Like, that was the first time I actually went. Because I've been on field trips to Fenway Park, but I went in the offseason. Or there was a couple times that we had went, but the Red Sox were on a road trip. So it didn't matter, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't really get to see them. It kind of was just like, you know, we saw, you know, we saw Fenway and it was all cool. But actually being there, during the game, feeling the energy, seeing the actual players. And it was funny because um, we were kind of on, like, the first base side. And it was kind of funny because we was just shit-talking the whole time. 
and a couple of them actually looked at looked at us. It was it was actually pretty fun. It was a fun experience. But so, but in terms of that, I think that might have been my favorite. Um, but like I said, for Gillette, I'm waiting for Tom Brady's jersey to be retired. And because um, I don't live in I don't live in Connecticut anymore. Because I used to live in Connecticut. When that happens, I'm I am because I live in South Carolina now. I am flying to Connecticut. Um, hey, obviously, yeah, because my mom lives there, so I'll see her. But I'm going to buy a ticket to when they do when like whatever game they're going to do it. I'm gonna buy a ticket and I want to be there because um, you know as much as hate as people want to give Tom Brady, um, you know he was a major, major, major part of the dynasty we built, you know, um, you know, for me, it was, like I said, I believe it's 50, 50. It was bill Belichick handling the defense, Tom Brady handling the offense. And I'll give him nothing but respect. Gritty Yuki uh, says, I know college football still uses Fenway park, even though baseball football stadiums are pretty much not popular anymore. Um, they're, they're really not. And, and, and it, I kind of, I don't like that. I've always liked it when, you know, each sport kind of had their own stadium. Cause I always feel like that added a little bit to the authenticity. I've always felt that. I feel like, I feel like you know, be, for instance, kind of like how, how it was before with the Clippers and the Lakers sharing the same stadium. I never liked that. I did it because it's like, you know, let's give them their own thing. Because the thing is, we need to be, you know, give each team a little bit of authenticity. So um, I, I hope they start bringing back, you know, baseball. You know, like everyone, like, for instance, Fenway Park is just Fenway Park. Don't use it for anything else. Um same thing with soccer, with baseball, all, all that stuff. I just hope they all leave them alone. That's kind of how I feel on it, and that is my two cents on that. Um, but, ooh, excuse me, in terms of this fight, um, Emmanuel Sanchez versus um, uh, Jeremy Kennedy, this one right here, um, I have – look, it, at this point, we all know. Look, uh, Kennedy, um, Jeremy Kennedy – He's younger, so he's got the you know he's got youth on his side. Um, he's taller and he's got a better reach advantage, right? Um, in his last five wins, he's got he's finished three fights, right? Now, if we look over at Sanchez, he in the last five fights, three of them have been submissions. Now, both of these guys are coming off losses. Um, right now, how it's looked for Kennedy, um, he's he lost one fight. I believe Sanchez is coming off a two-fight skid. Um, but even with all of that, even with all of that, if you go over to the featherweight rankings, Jeremy Kennedy is ninth, and Emmanuel Sanchez is fourth. With obviously AJ McKee being the undefeated champion, the former champion Fabricio Pitbull is second. Um, Mads Burnell is all is. Oh, I'm sorry, Patricio Pitbull is ranked number one, so he's the number one contender. And tied for second would be Mads Barnell and Adam Borks. Now, if Emmanuel Sanchez gets this win, you could see a weird thing where they kind of have sort of a four-way tournament bracket, like a mini tourney, where it would be Sanchez fights either Adam Borks or Mads Burnell, and whoever's not fighting Emmanuel would then fight Patricio from Pitbull. Then the winners then would, you know, meet up, fight, and then the winner would then get AJ McKee. That's how that, that that's how things can shake up. However, if Emmanuel would or lose and go on a three-fight skid, 
Jeremy could Jeremy Kennedy could potentially climb up, not only being there, but sent to some fresh blood. Maybe while Patricio Pitbull and Maz Burnell and Adam Borax are kind of messing with each other, trying to figure it out. Don't be surprised if Jeremy Kennedy can just sneak on in and all of a sudden boop, take his title shot. That's that that is a real life possibility. Right now, the featherweight division, it's wild. Now, obviously, they're they're pound for pound number one ranked guy, AJ McKee. He's in the featherweight division. He's 18 and 0. He's a champion. But Patricio, he wants his belt back. Mads Burnell and Adam uh, Borix being tied for second. That alone is gonna start and you know be enticing. And obviously, right outside of them is Emmanuel Sanchez, even though he's on a skid. If he can stop that skid right now, a quick stop, he's right back up there with those guys. He's still back up there. So it's not like it's not Sanchez is not in this situation where he's kind of screwed. He's kind of got a oh man, I, I got I gotta make this happen. I gotta make this happen. So Kennedy before coming to Belzer. Um, he went 3-0 and in the UFC before he lost to Alexander Volkanovsky. Okay. I don't like bringing that in this because Alexander Volkanovsky is a, and I've said it before, a fucking savage, so it doesn't, you know what I mean? Um, however, Sanchez, whose primary focus is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, his last title, his last title champ with Patricio Pitbull at the title in April, of April of this year. Pitbull choked him out in a guillotine. He choked out Sanchez in a guillotine, which blows people's mind because, like I said, Sanchez, he's his one of his main focuses is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. In July, he lost to Mads Burnell, one of the guys we we're talking about. One of the guys we we're talking about, and by the way. Mads Burnell, he's he's a extreme couture fighter. Do you know who also is an extreme couture fighter? Jeremy Kennedy. That's his teammate. That's his teammate. So I'm telling you, more than likely, he could. I, if you just look at the entire picture, Jeremy Kennedy has a lot of advantages. He's got a lot of them. Now. Whether or not he can capitalize on it, we don't know. Um, Kennedy's last loss was against Adam Borix, who again, him and Mads Burnell, they're tied for uh, for number two. However, however, he's he look, he's he's still he's still pretty good. I will say this. I will I will say this. The way I'm 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 taking Kennedy. I'm going to take Kennedy. Um, I'm going to take Jeremy Kennedy knocking out Sanchez in the first round. Um, and what I think really will be the, the difference maker, and I, I genuinely believe this, Mads Burnell. The fact that Mads fought Emmanuel Sanchez and beat him, and this is a guy, Mads Burnell trains with Kennedy, their teammates. If you look at that, Combined with the with 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 the youth on his side, because even though Kennedy is young, he's still experienced. Dude has 19 fights under his belt. He's 16 and three, so it's not like he's just this the slouch that's going to be horrible. Looking at everything with the height advantage and the reach advantage, me personally, I think everything is lining up to just to be for for Kennedy to win.
And again, I'm telling you, if 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 Kennedy wins, he's gonna propel himself to that top four. Don't be surprised if he takes um if he takes Emmanuel Sanchez's spot. Do not be surprised because, like I said, it's it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be something that you know people are gonna you know start looking and kind of being okay. Let's see how this goes. Let's see. Let's see how this works out, et cetera, et cetera. But like I said, I'm looking Kennedy right now. Again, I'm not trying to be that guy to you know act like you know Emmanuel Sanchez is horrible or anything. But like I said, this guy, and when I say this guy, I mean Jeremy Kennedy, has every single advantage in this fight, both physically and psychologically, because the guy that beat your opponent is on your team. You can go to, and they're in the same weight division. You can go to him. It's not like he fought him. It's not like he fought him at um at Bantamweight, right? It's not like they fought at Bantamweight and then Sanchez decided, oh yeah, let me go to Featherweight. No, that's not that's not at all what happened. They fought him in Featherweight. This is going to be very, very, very interesting. I'm very interested to see how it's going to play out. Um, Gritty Nuki says, I got Kennedy too. I, I, and I'm telling you, I, the way I'm looking at this, Jeremy Kennedy has every advantage possible. He does. Like I said, physically with the reach advantage, the youth, there's, it's, you know, he's got less wear and tear on him and the height advantage and psychologically you are my opponent. I know someone who recently beat you. I'm looking at someone who recently beat you, and I he's in my camp. I'm I'm I can go up to him and ask, hey, you know, you know, what do you think I should do? You know, what is he gonna try to go? You basically you can watch film on him and go to someone who fought him, and now you have a full report. You had a full scouting report, and again, watching it and talking to someone who actually was in the cage with him. Two completely different things. Those things are on completely different levels. So um, for me, I got Jeremy Kennedy. Next fight I want to talk about, Josh Hill versus Jared Scogans. Um, this fight right here, I'll be honest, this is one of the toughest fights on this card to guess because uh, in terms of being Bantamweights, they are two of the most evenly matched Bantamweights. In the in Bellator. Now, that being said, if you look at if you look at the rankings, obviously Sergio Pettis, he's a bantamweight champion. We'll talk about him in a minute. Josh Hill, he's ranked seventh. Skogans is unranked. This is his first fight in Bellator. In his first fight, he's fighting the seventh ranked guy. So they're throwing Jared Skogans right in there. And they're saying, all right, kid, sink or swim, choice is yours. Like I said, well, the whole thing I said with um, with Kennedy, Skogans is younger, taller, and he's got the reach. However, however, Josh Hill is more experienced. This one, like I said, to me, it's tough. It's it's tough. Um, Jared Skogans, I've seen some of his fights, and this dude has taken shots 
that's wild. This guy has taken shots that's like, and and he's the underdog. Jerry Scogans right now is a is a minus one hundred five underdog. Um, Josh Hill is the is a um, is a one fifteen favorite. So the way I'm looking at this, like I said, I've seen Jerry Scogans take shots that just watching it, I got rocked. Just watching. Um, Josh Hill, he does have some power. Skogans is in a five, uh, five fight win streak. Um, obviously, you know, Josh Hill is going to be the best guy he's ever fought. Um, but, 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 but Hill being 35 and he's beginning to be in the twilight of his career. Um, and on top of that, not only is he older though, but he's still improving. Uh, Gritty Yuki says, I got Josh Hill. This is a fight, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you this right now. This is a fight I'm not betting. I'm be I'm, be, I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. I I'll be confident betting on every other fight except this one. Um, I'm gonna go Josh Hill. I'm gonna go Josh. Matter of fact, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna cop out. I'm going. I'm going Scogans. I'm gonna go Jared Scogans, and I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. If you watch some of Jared Scogans fights. Even though, yes, I understand they're not against great talent, he's dominating. So I genuinely believe that he'll be able to handle the step up in competition. I have Jared Skogans. I think it's going to go the distance. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to go 2-1. 2-1 Skogans. I think um, in the beginning, I think Josh Hill is going to get round one. I think he's going to be the aggressor. Um, granted, not to say that they're both going to be aggressive, but I feel like Josh Hill is going to be more of the aggressor. You might see a little bit of a Jared Scogans who's want to test the waters. People might say, oh, he's getting nervous. I'm going to look at it as him just testing the waters, see what he can get away with Josh Hill. Let him have round one. Then coming from round two, going forward, that's when Jared Scogans, look, Jared Scogans, um, his nickname is Psycho. If you watch this man fight, this motherfucker is Psycho. His motherfucker is psycho. Ain't no debate. Ain't no debate on that. Um, and let me bring in my boy Jay. How are you feeling today, my guy? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. How you doing, sir? Just another, just another day in paradise. Right, um, right. So I was just breaking down um some of the Bellator fights. Um, let me bring it back for you. So the first one I did was Emmanuel Sanchez versus Jeremy Kennedy. Um I so they're both coming off of losses. Um, Sanchez is in a little deeper hole because he's coming off two losses back to back. He's still ranked fourth, still very impressive, still ranked fourth. Um, Jeremy Kennedy, um, in terms of the featherweight division, he's ninth. Um, he's still trying to you know climb up. Uh, he did he did just recently lose, but he's now basically these both guys are looking for the bounce back fight. Um, when I did talk to both of them, they both said the same thing that like the loss before doesn't matter. They're, they're, they're not looking at this as a bounce back fight. They're just looking at this as, you know, Emmanuel Sanchez wants to use this fight to put his name back into the title contention. Cause obviously not only is the champion in their division, but he's the pound for pound Bellator guy, period. In terms of their pound for pound rankings, AJ McKee is number one. Emmanuel Sanchez wants to prove 
hey, look, I maybe I may lost a couple, but I'm back in there. And Jeremy Kennedy wants to prove, look, me being at nine, look, bro, that's not only is that not a fluke, but I'm trying to work up even higher. And he wants to be put in the same conversation as his uh, as his part as his uh, teammate Mads Burnell and Adam Boric. So, um, how do you think this fight's gonna pan out? Yeah, no. You you pretty on the coffin. I mean, I think Emmanuel um, can't afford to take a loss in this one. Um, mm. You know, up there, and, and and you know, again, Jeremy. Jeremy's not a slouch by far. Uh, so he has an opponent in there that you know these are those guys that they get in those situations. They don't have that pressure on them the same way as Emmanuel does going into this fight. That you know these are one of those those situations where. Not you know somebody gets surprised and you know a knockout or or um, you know Emmanuel ends up in a compromised situation and we have a, a victory going uh, Jeremy's way. Yeah. Um, but overall, I do see Emmanuel coming out on top on this one. Okay. Um, I, I think that he will um, take care of business. Um, that's what you know makes him who he he is in that pound for pound ranking in the first place. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I I I took um I took Jeremy Kennedy in this one. Um, okay. I believe obviously. Look, what, what really concerned me is the fact that one of his specialties, and when I say his, I'm talking about uh, Emmanuel Sanchez, is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Pitbull made him tap in April to yes. a nice to a nice guillotine, which again blew my mind because. If you really watch it, it's almost as if Emmanuel knew what was happening and this weird thing accepted it. It's almost as if he was just like, okay, whatever. And it it, it was bizarre for me. It well, you know, BJJ is a game of chess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the really good guys know when they're defeated. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what he felt at that moment. Um, but, but it Patricia is no, point, he's no pushover, bro. Patricia is no pushover. No, and, no, no. And if you ask me, he's pound for pound. I, I'm arguably the best. Mm, um, honestly, I, I, I was one thing I was thinking, um, because the, the pound for pound list, obviously Pitbull, you know, he's, uh, he's number two and obviously he only dropped because he lost to AJ McKee. But I have seen people make a legitimate, a legitimate argument that he should still be number one, even though AJ McKee beat him for the title. And I disagree, but listening to where they're coming from, I get why they're saying it. Because even like Patricio Pitbull, he's still dominant. He's still a champ you have to respect. He's still a fighter you got to respect, period. So I understood why they were saying all that stuff. Um, I personally believe I don't mind AJ McKee being one, especially considering he came out handled his business. But I mean, look, like you said, if if this if they flipped and Patricia was at one, I wouldn't be mad at all, not one bit. I mean, look, when it comes down to MMA, consistency is just as big as a hot streak. Mm. You feel me? Because it's not like uh, any of these major league other sports where it's a team sport and you have 52 games in a season. Yes. 
each each match is their season. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, each match is a new season. So, you know, this is the only place where hot streaks and consistency kind of meet head yep. to head. Because, and that's where I look at this pound for pound ranking and why I say Patricio, Patricia, Patricia uh, and a lot of other folks probably say, agree with me of mm-hmm. why they can toggle the two because he's consistent. Shit. He's been doing this for he's he's 32 and five. He's been doing this for so long that, you know, yes, AJ McKee came out. AJ McKee handled his business. AJ McKee is on a 18 and 0 win streak. Mm-hmm. But did he just catch him that night? And that's and, what a lot of people were trying to say. Right. And that is that is one of the big um the big kind of points. Um for Pat- uh, Patricio Pitbull um, for his thing because, again, it was in the first round, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it was a guillotine. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a pretty tight one, too. It, it was a good one. But a lot of people are asking, is it really because he was a better fighter? Or was it better just – a game of chess. Exactly. It's, you know what I mean? Like, people, people – that's kind of the question that they have. Um, I mean, again – me personally, where I kind of give AJ McKee a little bit of extra, you know, I gotta give him props is the fact that this dude, eighteen and zero, he he wins the fights every way possible. I mean, look, he's got six fights, um, six six wins by knockout, seven by submission, five by decision. It's not like he's just this dude who desperately relies on, on making you tap, or he's just like if I don't knock you, I don't have nothing. This guy can go look. If we gotta go bell to bell. I can I I know I can win you there. I can know I can beat you there. If I have to make you tap, I know I have that in my arsenal. If I gotta knock you out, I also have that in my back pocket where I can pull that out. So that's where I kind of look at AJ McKee a little bit and give him props because it's like I'm looking at a dude, especially in the featherweight division, where you know, let's be honest, not a lot of guys are really you know knockout dudes. And the fact that AJ McKee can kind of have that in his back pocket and say, hey, yo, not only do I know I can knock you out, but let's say I knock you out, you stumble, you fall, I now have options. I don't just have to hit you. I can move in for a submission as well. So yeah, when he, it comes- he has four straight finishes. Yes. And yes. And, and that's the thing. Um, you know, when when you look at, you know, his, his fight, his, his career – his first three fights, he did have KOs. He mm-hmm. then he went. Uh, then he went. Well, we had that. He had that technical, but then he went to Cody and uh, he had a submission there. Then he had a couple of decisions. So as he came up in the rankings, you kind of expect a fighter, especially when he doesn't have brute knockout power. Yes, you kind of expect him to kind of start doing more. Um, what we say, judge decisions, so to speak going to the judges and leaving it in their hands more. And that's not the case with him. As he's grown, his dad's done a great job as his trainer of having him as of, of having him ready for these fights and mm-hmm. put him in a position to know what to do to capitalize on mistakes. And that's what he did with Patricio. He was able to capitalize on a mistake. Like we said, BJJ is a big, it's a chess game. Yep, man. It is. One, one bad mistake. And if the guy is that much better than you, you don't get to make up. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it puts you in a position where, 
you know, you 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 might end up being fucked, you know, because you know, and and and, and what's crazy about uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you you can make every move properly, every move properly. You can do everything the right way. You can do everything perfect and still end up losing because Brazilian jiu-jitsu is just that wild where at some, at any random point, all the work that you put in, either A, gets negated or even worse, B, when you're working, you're just putting yourself in a deeper hole. And the Mm -hmm. weird thing about Brazilian jiu-jitsu is when you're getting put in a hole, a lot of times you don't realize it. Until you're so deep in, you can't get out. And you end up being screwed. And you end up even have to tap or, you know, break an arm, break some ligaments, whatever the case may be. Right. Oof. Yeah, no, it's it's wild. But, um, so, yeah, so you got Sanchez. I got Kennedy. Um, The fight that I was just going into, um, Josh Hill versus Jared Scogans. Um, I had somebody in the chat saying that they had Josh Hill. Um, For me, this to me is difficult. It is so hard. And the reason I say it's hard, look, on its face value, and like I said, on its face value, this should be an easy pick. Um, it's a bantamweight fight, and um, looking at it, Josh Hill's ranked seventh. Um, Jared Scogans, this is his debut in Bellator. Mm-hmm. He's unranked. He's fought mostly local competition. But I genuinely believe he can handle it because obviously, without a shadow of a doubt, Josh Hill is the best fighter he's ever fought. No debate. Oh, yeah. No debate. The way I'm looking at it, though, maybe it's me, but I 110% believe that, and especially the fact that I've seen Jared Scogans take some shots, like, you know, shots he didn't see coming, and he took them like a champ and walked through them. Yes, you know what I mean? He's got the youth. He's got the height advantage. He's got the reach advantage, which I believe he will use. Obviously, Josh Hill, 35 years old, he's still getting better. You actually see he's one of those rare fighters that even though he's in the twilight of his career, he's still getting better and he's still elevating himself. So to me, it's tough. I'm going to go with Jared Scogans. I do believe he can pull it off. But for me... This is one fight I am not betting on at all, and I'm not thinking about it because, for me, this is the closest fight on the card to me. This 100 – I genuinely believe this is the closest one on the card because I literally think it, it could literally go either way. I'm going to go Skogans because so, I got to pick somebody. I, I, gotta, I, I, can't, I can't be a you – know, I can't be a bitch, right? I got to pick someone. So <laughs> I'm going to go Skogans, but I'm telling you right now – it's, it's, it's going to be tough. This is the thing for me. When you look at Josh Hill and you try to say, you know, what stands out? Team Alpha, Uriah Faber. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think was going to give them the edge over Scoggins. Like you said, he's a, he's a local boy from Spartansburg, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. He was, he went he attended the the UFC gym out there. That's where he kind of got his his push into the situation. Yes, you know, and <clears throat> you know it's always scary betting on someone coming into a um, a new promotion, but it's also scary betting on someone coming into a new promotion 
for the first time entering mm-hmm. this echelon. We don't know what to expect. Yep. That's we true. don't know what it's like a lion that's been in the zoo and you know this lion eats meat, but you have to let him out for the first time. And he sees something out in the wild. We don't know. Is he gonna attack that thing like he normally does? Mm. Or yeah, is he gonna know. look at this thing like uh, is somebody gonna hand it to me? Mm. So it's a, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Pride. This is very uh, this is a very timid one for me to go ahead and choose as far as I wouldn't bet on this either. But uh, if I had to, I'm going Josh Hill. You can't go past Team Alpha and you write a favor, um, you know, that easy. Yeah, and again, like you said, being like Uriah Faber, 100% is just a dude who not only knows fighting, but knows how to train guys, right? I mean, look, if you think about it, he's brought guys like Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw, both former champions, both guys who are all-time great um, in the in the Bantamweight division. These are guys who Uriah Hall, or I'm sorry, not Hall, Uriah Faber, not only found these dudes, but at the same time raised them. And when I say raised, I'm talking about in terms of fighting. Raised them, he trained them properly, put them on a regiment. So again, in terms of that, I do give Josh Hill the advantage. Um, I did ask him, you know, how do you feel about, you know, fighting an unranked dude? You know what I mean? Like, because he wanted a ranked guy and he said, look, I'll be honest, I wanted somebody ranked, but... At the end of the day, I got to fight who's in front of me. And one can only wonder, is it possible that Josh Hill is looking past Jared Skogans? I know when I when I asked him, say uh, say again, Jay? I said, that's the problem. Yes. Like, think about it. You're you're a ranked guy. You told the, you told the organization, look, I want somebody ranked. I want to move up because I'm trying, I'm trying to be a champion. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm trying to be a champion. And again, he did say, look, man, I wanted somebody ranked. I couldn't get him. It is what it is. But at the same time, you're a dude who wanted somebody ranked to get somebody unranked. My worry is he's just going to go whatever it is, what it is. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. Skogans comes in and all of a sudden catches him with a clean right. You know what I mean? And it just takes and, and fighting is that weird thing. It just takes you losing that little bit of focus. Just matter. It's weird because you could lose the fight before it goes in. That one day of sparring that you just, you didn't even tear anything, but you tweaked your shoulder so you had to take an extra day off. Or that one film session that you sneeze and close your eyes and miss something on the TV. Fighting is weird like that. It really is like or fighting the is really yells and you look to the you glance at the wrong moment and catch a, a, a whopping hook. Yeah, like 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 the old like the old saying, you zig when you should have zagged. Fighting is like that. And you know what I mean? So I mean, you picking Josh Hill, I'm not surprised. I'm really not because you know, again, he ain't no slouch, he ain't above himself. So going with Josh Hill, that it's a good pick. And he has the backing. Yes. Yes, he does. So I'm, but I'm, I'm gonna go Jared Scogans. I'm, a, I'm gonna go with that. And if he wins, he better be top ten. That's all I'm saying. Scott Coker. So, you know, I go ahead and handle, bro. But um, um. So the next fight, I want to break this down a little bit. Johnny Diamond Hands Eblen 
versus Colin Young Huck Huck Buddy or Huck Body. I see he's saying buddy, but it's body. Body. Yes. Um Huck Body. Yes. Then he calls himself Young Young Huck. Young Huck. Funny. Yeah, Young Huck. <laughs> I, I like that. I, I really do 100 percent Has a ring to it. Right? Like I, I, I like that. I do. But we're looking at two dudes. Um who me personally, I think this might be, might be the fight of the night. I'm being honest. I'm liking this. And look, Johnny Eblen, this yeah. dude does not know what the fuck it means to lose. This dude is 9-0, and um, and he got four knockouts to his name. Four knockouts to his name um, where he's basically like, hey, yo, I'm trying to hurt people. Like that's right. Um, and yeah, like like that, and that's the. Um, I, I asked him, hey, you know, you know, your dude, you know, is another guy. You're, you know, you're you're in the middleweight division, obviously. And, you know, there again, there's a situation where you know you're ranked, you're fifth, you're fighting an unranked guy. How'd you feel about it? And his shit was, look, I'm here to beat motherfuckers up. That's it. Like, so when you have that mentality, where you don't care who you fight. To me, that's scary. That is scary. Now, Colin is 10 and 3. He himself ain't no slouch. Um, the two losses came early in his career. Two of the losses. Um, in his first five fights is when two of the losses came. Um, he just beat Nick Krause. But before that, he lost to Aaron Jeffrey. Um, and it was a decision, it, it was it went to the decision. Um mm-hmm. So I'm so this is a situation that and it says that um it was an CFFC 93 Cage Fury. Oh, so it was a Cage Fury. Um it says four rounds. Um so I'm assuming what happened was you know there was an incident where you know maybe he got eye poked or something like that, and they went to decision, something along those lines. Um, but that was his last loss um against Aaron Jeffrey, came back, Nick Krause. Had a beautiful fight against Nick Krause. Um, a lot of people, you know, it, it, it was a 100% unanimous. Everyone was like, everyone was like, yep, he 100% deserved that win. No debate whatsoever. Now he's coming into Bellator. Um, he's fighting Johnny Eblen, who again, his nickname is Diamond Hands, and it's Diamond Hands for a reason, because this dude got power. This dude is has this dude is wild. Um, if you have never seen a Johnny Eblen fight, you guys are missing out because I'm telling you, this dude outside of the UFC, this is one of the dudes that I've seen with my own eyes rock people with a jab. The only other guy I know who can consistently do that is Kamaru Usman. Let that sink in, ladies and gentlemen. This dude has the gift that Kamaru Usman has that with a jab can rock you. And, and, put and out, places dude. it well. Yes, that's the thing. Like, it's not just him throwing it. Like, he he, he doesn't mm-hmm. just use his jab to like see, oh, how far are you? He wants to make contact and he wants he wants you to feel that jab. And so that's the main you- thing. Is yes. see, it, and that's the difference. Like, we'll use Uzman since you brought him up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you look at someone throw a jab, it's a finder, typically, yes. it's a locator. Mm-hmm. It's an agitator, something like a like a, it's annoying. 
No. When you see Usman throw a jab, it's with conviction. He wants yes. it to hurt when it hits your face. He And that's the thing that people don't understand about jabs. Jabs are your slicers. Those and elbows, those open up wounds. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You, you jab someone and you're connecting, you're typically hitting them in the same area. Maybe not the same exact spot, but the but same, same vicinity area. And you take 15 or 20. I don't care if they're at... Two percent of your of your overall strength. You take fifteen to twenty straight shots at the same exact area. That skin starts to tear. That skin mm-hmm. starts to wear. It starts to bruise. You know. So now we put it in the art of fighting. Now you're you're bruising. You're wearing and tearing a spot that has cut tissue that has bruising and tearing from previous fights. This is where. Uzman is so good because now you're not worried about just a straight right hand. You're not worried about just a uppercut or a hook. You're worried about, listen, every single time this man touches my face, it hurts. It feels like something is ripping. Mm-hmm. And that changes a fighter's mentality in the middle of a fight. You know, it, and, and you can, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. If you see a fight, and it's going great, and they're and they're going back and forth. It's two gladiators standing in the ring. The first time you see one of them feel pain, the whole fight changes. Hundred percent. One hundred changes at that moment. Because here's the thing: like, like there's obviously there's what people don't understand about um, about fighting. There's not just one fight happening. Mm-hmm. It is an entire meta fight going on because you got the trainers fighting each other, right? In terms of I need to make sure I put my fighter in the best position, right? Then on top of that, there is the the um, psychological fight where when someone gets hit, for instance, if you go see a guy like a Colby Covington, when he gets hit, he laughs at you and smiles at you to show you this doesn't phase me. And like you said, the instant somebody says, fuck, I'm hurt, or for, like, once you show any type of pain, like, you got hurt, and you're like, god damn, this shit hurts, you're fucked. Another perfect example, when Jimmy Crute fought um, Anthony Smith, and Anthony Smith was doing those leg kicks at the back of his leg, and his leg went dead, and it started, it started buckling. The instant Anthony Smith saw that, he was like, I'm going. And I'm going to keep going until the dude can't walk no more. Once you show any sign, the momentum immediately switches. So I 100% agree with you, Dre. I, I think you're muted, bro. Yeah, you're muted. Yeah, yeah. He could have kept it. He could have kept that feeling inside. Yes. But the second that he exerted that, that emotion, that feeling, and nope. his opponent saw it, it sparked a something inside of him, which you were talking about, that other battle. We're having our one fight, but there's three fights in this ring. There's yes. the fight, and then there's a fight in your head and a fight in my head. Correct. And, and in my head, I just won. I seen where my target is. I seen my freaking my, my, mm-hmm. my kill, my kill uh, mark, and I'm going in. So, and, and, and the thing about it is you can lose that fight at any time. Mm-hmm. Misha Tate. Like in her mind, she called it quits in the middle of a fight. 
Like she, like her, when she retired before she came back, it happened in the middle of a fight, and mm-hmm. she was like, "I gotta keep fighting because if I don't, I'm gonna get hurt real bad. So I gotta keep it pushing. I got, I gotta keep going. Like that's how really how it is with fighting. Like if you lose that mental, that mental edge, just a little. Listen, bro, I'm telling you, I say, I say, I say this all the time. You get, you give your opponent an inch. They'll take a mile and they'll give you a foot out the door. Like that's how this, that's how fighting works. It's wild. It's insane, bro. But like, man, for me, for me, when it comes to Johnny Evans versus Colin, I, 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 I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go on uh, Johnny Evans. I have to. I mean, this dude. I'm looking at a guy who just, like I said, just easily, no effort, throws a jab. And you're like, whoa, like you know what I mean. And again, a lot of people feel the same way. Um, so BellatorMMA.com, they do this thing where they actually let you vote, you know, to see who you think is gonna win. In terms from this fight, a lot of the fights are close, you know. Um, the second largest disparity is Emmanuel Sanchez versus Jeremy Kennedy. Seventy-three percent of people think that Sanchez will win. The highest disparity, the highest discrepancy is Johnny M- uh, Eblen versus Colin Huckbody. Uh, Huckbody. 86% of people think Johnny Eblen is going to win. Like, this, to me, is 110% wild. Um, we're into weigh-in. Hear these, hear these odds. Listen to these odds. At the weigh-in, I'm talking about... At the weigh-in, Colin was a plus 800 underdog. Johnny Eblen was a minus 1,400 favorite. I'm going to I'm gonna say it one more time. Four, a minus 1,400 favorite? Like, ridiculous. It's completely and utterly absurd. And I'll be honest, usually when I see, like, you know, when it comes to, like, you know, odds or whatnot, I when I see it that high, I tend to disagree. But when I look at this, again, no disrespect to Colin, but when you look at a guy like Johnny Eblen, who goes, bro, I don't – give me ranked, unranked, double ranked, triple ranked, no ranked, super ranked, me and five. When you got that attitude – when you got the attitude that you'll fight anybody, anywhere, anytime, plus with with his attributes, it, it's 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 very difficult for me to go against him. And that and that, but that takes me back to what I say about every sport. There's an eye test, and in fight and in and in fighting, there's some guys that are actual fighters. Mm-hmm. That if they retire today, they're they're gonna fight once a week on the street. You know, mm. and that's just the way they are, and you know. So anybody can be in anything they want to be in this world if they if they put their minds to it. I truly believe that. Yep. Anybody be, can can be can become a fighter, but some fighters are born fighters. Yes. Yep. And 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 that's what I see right here at Evelyn. Evelyn. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like you said, sometimes like you said, there's times where your advantage comes before the fight. Just being able, just being born with having the sole purpose to fight, people don't understand how much of an advantage that really is. That's mm-hmm. like that's an advantage that you know you can't really teach. Um, so I'm assuming you and I both agree we got Johnny Eblen, right? Yes. 
Okay. Yes. So now the main event, this fight I've been waiting for um, for a while ever since. I thought it was going to happen in Ryzen because Sergio Pettis did say that, you know, he kind of wants to be a double champ over there. The bantamweight champion of Ryzen, Kyoji Horaguchi, is going to attempt to be an, an, an inter, no, not interpromotional, a outer promotional double champ. Yep. When he faces Sergio Pettis for the Bellator bantamweight title. This to me, I'm gonna tell you this right now, bro. I, I this fight, I'm excited. I'm excited. I really am, especially because Sergio Pettis, when he was in the UFC, didn't really pan out that great. Ever since he left, he's made a lot of changes to his life that, you know, that makes some kind of, you know, that makes me feel a little okay. In terms of bantamweight rankings. Um, this is the thirty, the number 34th ranked Bantamweight in the world and the number 31 ranked Bantamweight in the world. Um, I believe uh, uh, Horaguchi is the 31st. Um, so obviously it's champion versus champion. Horaguchi just recently won the Ryzen Bantamweight title. However, this title will not be on the line. It's not a winner take all. It is just for the Bellator Bantamweight title. Pettis has the height, age, and reach advantage. Um, however, not only does he have fewer lifetime finishes, but he also has seven fewer fights, um, which <sighs> I genuinely believe could potentially make a vast difference. Um, both fighters... They have great level camps. They have very high level camps. Um, uh, ATT is where Hiraguchi is training at. Um, it is a much better, better school. However, Rufus Sport, it's even nice. though the Pettis guys are the Pettis brothers are, you know, are basically what they've been known for, they have been known for a more in house approach where but they. Go ahead, but man. let's let's be let's be Rufus over there. At Rufus House Sports. Duke Rufus is is the man, and and he and he he runs a a very tight ship over there, and you know and you can see it with with Pettis himself, mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing about this particular situation. Remember, he he has Anthony, uh, his his older brother. Yep. He has Emmanuel. He has Rufus Stotts. Uh, he has Christian Rodriguez over there training with him on a regular basis. He has a very good jujitsu coach and, Jer and um, uh, Mearshart. And then he also has uh, Scott Cushman for a striking coach. And, and, and that's the thing. When I look at Pettis, he's all around. He's coming from a fighting family. Um, he's, he's coming from a, um, a, a coach who comes from a fighting family. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing about Pettis, he's bred to fight. Um, yes. and when I look at this, the other thing I want to make a comment on here, this is huge for Bellator. This Massive. is a, 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 guy that's, this is his first, what is his second fight in Bellator Hiroshima? Yeah. It's his second. And he fought Darren Codwell first. So yes, when I look at this, 
I, I look at a bigger thing than just Sergio Pettis and Hirobushi Hiro, because this is talking about Ryzen, their champion, who yes. said, hey, I'm still going to hold this belt, but that dude yes. over there, Pettis, that you guys got as your champion, he ain't better than me. So I'm going to come show you that I'm at the – because to me, this is what he's saying. I'm at the better promotion for this division. Mm-hmm. Because mm. my championship means more. So watch this. I'm going to come over there and wipe out yours. Oh, so yes. to me, this is big for Bellator and Pettis and bigger than for Bellator than it is for Pettis. 110%. I, I agree. Because, again, uh, Kyoji, he's definitely a quality fighter. I don't care what mm-hmm. anybody says. A lot of people have this false narrative that if you're not in the UFC, you're not a good fighter. You're not good. No, that's not and, true. Yes, not anymore. I'm like, but see again, Pride. We were, me and you were talking about this off air earlier. We got to go back to Pride. Yes. How did UFC get to the notoriety that they have? They went out and said, "Yo, we're having Perfect. such a hard time putting this thing together with with you know from top to bottom, good talent." Yep. They were very top heavy at that time. Very, 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 very top heavy. So they went out and just said, you know what? Pride is doing great. We're just going to purchase them. They got K. I think they get, they got K one kickboxing pride and one other, uh, kick. Uh, I think it was another striking. I think it was another kickboxing one, but they had another kickboxing yeah. one that was associated with pride. It was two kickboxing. Yes. 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 Yeah. 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 Yep. 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 And they ended up buying all, buying them and bringing them over. So me and you talked about this earlier. That was the big thing. So when people look at this, now all all UFC done did was jump the ship. They went to Japan and said, "Japan, you already got this going. We're going to purchase this from you and bring it to America." Basically, mm-hmm. and and now these other fighting pro- promotions are catching up. So we got Bellator. You know, we got these these other ones that are coming up. Like you said, uh, the Professional Fighting League. The there's a couple of other ones out here that are making a name for themselves, like Risen, like One. Um, you know, so they're kind of catching up. They've seen UFC's formula now that they've been able to implement it for quite some time, and it's yep. starting to pan out. So Bellator, y'all better go in there and have a pep talk with Pettis before he walks through this ring tonight and mm-hmm. let him know how important this is for y'all. <laughs> 100%, because like you said, this is important. Imagine, because listen, they, they've been, they pushed Pettis to the moon. Yes. Imagine if he loses to her. It, it would be a big blow. Um, and Hiroguchi Hiro, uh, doesn't have to turn around and t- come back and fight right away. That's the problem with this. He can right. go back over to Risen, hold on to this, and, and then defend the title over there. And now all of a sudden, Bellator's now scrambling. Which to me, I didn't. I, that's why I didn't personally understand this because it's like. The only way I get it is because if they have an enormous amount of faith in 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 a Sergio Pettis, where they believe that he cannot lose, you know, because because again, if he loses, Hiroguchi can take the title and go, all right, lick my nuts, y'all see me when y'all see me, and he's gone. And, then and then Sergio would have to go fight over there for for uh, a fight or two, get, so he can jump in and try to get a rematch over there. Exactly, and again, we're talking about the bantamweight division. Who, if we're gonna be honest, Juan Archuleta is two, um, uh, Rafael Stotts is is uh, two, um, Patchy Mix is three, and uh, uh, Magomedov, um, uh, Magom- Magomedov, Magomedov, there it is, 
Jesus Christ. Uh, that's their top four, right? So it's going to be this weird thing where what are you going to do with Pettis if he loses? Are you going to give him the immediate title shot and, in essence, hold the bantamweight division hostage? Or are you going to do kind of – because um, basically earlier in the featherweight division, I said if Emmanuel Sanchez wins, I could see a world where they kind of do a mini tournament where they have Patricio Pitbull fighting because they have two guys tied for uh, for the second seat. Um, it's Mads Burnell and Adam Borix, right? So I thought in, in some world they can kind of have Pitbull fight Mads, Adam fight Emmanuel, then the winners of those fights fight each other, and the winner gets A.J. McKee. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what I was kind of percolating in my mind a little bit. Um, but if we look at the Bantamweight division – I mean, if 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 he, um if um if Koji Hur- um, Horiguchi wins this, bro, it, it's a, it's it's perplexing because it's like, do you kick Sergio Pettis out for about a year from the title scene to just have him go away for a minute to just redesign, rebuild, and reclaim his own game plan, and then give someone else a chance? Do you well, basically yeah. hold the division hostage for him? It's it's just it's it's kind of scary though because you can't. It's not up to them at that point. Yeah. Because it's up to Hiraguchi. But here's the problem with this. Um, right behind him is Stotts. So now you got, okay, I'll, I'll take a notion off of you, Pride. Okay, we we he beat Pettis. Yep. Okay, now the camp is like, all right, Pettis, let's you take a break. Let's put Stotts in this. Right. Because we're right there. Stotts is right there. So now – Correct. So now you're you're kind of in a in a limbo situation because if, if Hirogishi says no, then Stotts and and uh, Pettis have to kind of I mean unless Archuleta just figures something out, but Stotts and Pettis kind of have to you know self carnivize themselves. Yep. And and like I said, like now it's like for a while you don't know because um, he might fight. And again, for all we know. We might not see the bantamweight title for a year. So if we're doing that, we need to figure out, okay, we need to figure out who's going to be the number one contender. And we're going to need to start figuring this stuff out now. So that way, whenever, whenever Kyoji's ready to come back, we have a contender for him. Mm-hmm. And again, it's going to be pressure for Bellator because they need to find somebody that's great that can actually take it from him. Cause now here's the problem. If they put somebody else and Kyoji wins again, that's what another year, maybe another year and a half before we see the bantamweight title. And then all of a sudden, this fight is going to look ridiculously stupid later because of how much faith they had in Pettis. And it's like, and again, if we're looking at that, in terms of, again, these are the weigh ins, um, the, the, the odds at the weigh in. Um, Hiroguchi is the favorite. He's the minus 175 favorite. And uh, Pettis, who's the champion, is a plus 150 underdog. So it's yeah. like there's, you know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah. Bellator is is like putting themselves in this weird position yeah. where they're like, we believe in you, Pettis, but the risk is so much. Let me ask you a question, Jay. With all that, and after that, we'll, we'll talk about who we think will win. But with all this risk and the potential three years that that could potentially be fucked, 
I mean, would you would you really consider this fight? Like, is this really a smart fight to do on Bellator's behalf? There has to be something we don't know about. There has to be something that we don't know about because it makes no sense. There's no reason. Look, when you make a business agreement, both sides walk away with something. And I don't see what Bellator is walking away with here. Because if Bella, if, if Pettis wins, Hiroguchi just goes back to Risen as a champion and does his thing. If Pettis loses, Hiroguchi got Bellator by the balls in the bantamweight division, and now Risen is the man in the bantamweight between the two. And so, what, and this is because this is what I'm saying. They should have just done a title versus title because if if Sergio Pettis wins, I mean, yeah, you can make an argument that he's the best bantamweight in the world. You can make the argument, but people were making that argument beforehand. So it's not like he really desperately needed this win against Kyoji to prove anything because people were already making that argument for him. This is a downplay for Bellator. It's not an upplay. Exactly. So that's kind of where it's a little confusing. But with all this said, who do you think is going to get the win, Sergio Perez or uh, Kyoji Hiraguchi? So, you know, this is for my Milwaukee town natives out there. You know, like I said, Duke Rufus uh, down there in uh, Rufus Sport. Uh, Jim and and the Milwaukee boys they don't play that's a that's a a a fighting gym right there and anyone coming out of there they got my nod on a on a deep, on a regular night so I'm going Pettis he's like I said before I, I mess with him and Anthony I like them both uh, but Sergio this is your time and not only your time but I feel like this is your What's the word? This is this is your time to carry Bellator to where they're trying to get to. This is his era. Mm-hmm. This is his mm-hmm. era, hundred percent. However, I'm gonna go with Kyoji Hiraguchi. Um, mm. I, I I look. I like Kyoji. I like both these guys. If we're gonna be honest, I'm gonna go Hiraguchi. Um, only because for me, Hiraguchi to me is a little more seasoned. Yeah. For me. Um, yes. And I genuinely believe that experience will carry him because, um, like, again, having the belt. But, again, this is where what I'm going to say is a double-edged sword um, with Sergio say, saying he wants the right, the, risen, the rising belt. Hiraguchi's like, look, bro, I'm going to prove why, the, why you can't get it. I'm going to prove that to you why you can't get it because in order to get this, you need to go through me. I'm giving you the opportunity to go through me. You're not going to be able to do it. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's going to be in the back of his mind. Um, I, one of the people asked him, like, before, supposedly, oh, um, he said that um, they asked Kyoji this, that um, Pettis was, you know, he wanted the, the thing. And he laughed. He laughed. And at first when he laughed, people were like, oh, why is he laughing? Like, you know, people were like, See, laughing because, you know, he didn't understand the question. They had a translator, and it wasn't because because they he wasn't laughing because he didn't understand. He laughed because he genuinely does not believe Sergio Pettis has any legitimate chance. He genuinely believes that. He said this in multiple other interviews before before this, the, the interview that I'm talking about came out. Multiple other interviews. He straight up said, He's, he can't do nothing with me. He can't. So, um... You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see 
Um, but like I said, I got Kyoji. Your father is here. Um, I got Kyoji. Hey, she's trying to let you know. She was trying to stop you before you let the world. You no, know, that's my son. That's my son. He's probably oh, like he, your dad. Yeah, he's mad at me right now. Yeah, because he's not Kiyoshi. He's trying to tell yeah. you Pettis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me see yo, yo, hold on. I think Anthony Pettis is going to win. I, I told you. He's calm. I told you. He's calm. Little pride. He's little pride was like, That's crazy. That's crazy. Matter of fact, now I got to double down. Kyoji by knockout. Two rounds. Okay. <laughs> now I got to double down. Now you telling me my son's yelling at me because I ain't picking him? That's crazy. So now I got to double bad. down. Yeah. Tell him, little pride. <laughs> he, yo, he real talk came at me started screaming at me. Tell him, he little pride. But now, look, I, look it, I'm going to tell you either way. 100%. This is going to be a banger. Um, Like I put out up there earlier, we are going to be doing a watch along. The fight begins at 10. At 10 p.m. Eastern time, 9 central. This fight, we will start early, you know, to do like a little breakdown of all that good stuff and whatnot. Um, But, ladies and gentlemen, be here. We will have all of this. We will be streaming it not only here. Are we going to also stream it on the ASAP network? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. So we will be streaming it here, the ASAP network as well. So we're gonna have every avenue covered. Um, it's gonna be fun. We're, we're Go gonna ahead. try to do it. We're gonna try to do a little, a little uh, beforehand of the Pac-12 game a little bit too. So come join us tonight. We're gonna be, you know, hanging we're out. We're gonna be lit. We're going to be lit, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Private Takes. Uh, if you guys have any topics you guys want to talk about, feel free to tweet at me. And I'll be more than happy to put it in the show. Catch us on Facebook at Prideful Takes. Um, not only do we go live there, but we be putting up like the pickums and a whole bunch of other stuff like that. If you don't have Facebook, we go live on YouTube at Prideful Takes. Visit our website, www.pridefultakes.com. Not only is every article, is in every episode of the podcast up there, we also have original articles. And check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, the Prideful Takes podcast. Jay, my guy, I appreciate you being here. And I will see you relatively soon. Very soon, and for everyone out there, you can uh, obviously you can find me on ASAP with pride yes, all the sir. time. Uh, but Instagram at Fo Twenty High Life J, Fo Twenty High Life J. Yes, sir. And he is a Suns fan, so we can't say nothing to him. Eighteen straight Arizona, so, everything over here. Hey, yo, eighteen straight. Handle your business. <laughs> obviously, it's been your boy Pride on behalf of Jay. We will see you on the next one. Be safe. Knew where that was going. That was a great read. Ooh, Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the two on the season. Second and one for the Bills. They handle the rush. Allen looking. It's out. To to Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks.